Hello, what is up, everybody? And welcome back to another special episode of the Vandy Blitz. I'm Ethan Wacker. I'm Jacob Harris. I'm Andrew Wilf. I'm Joe Angela. And I'm Theo Hodges. And we're just a bunch of guys that really like to talk sports. So that is what we are going to do today. And I think the most important thing to get out of the way initially is to, gra- is to congratulate Joe on being the only one on the show that, co- that correctly predicted the World Series and picked the Dodgers. Never go against Dodge City. It's a mistake I made. And you know what? Maybe, maybe I'll have to reassess doing that again in the future. Um, but with that out of the way, let's talk some football, boys. What do you think? What, what are you thinking? I mean, I thought week eight was an awesome week, but I thought week seven, because we didn't talk about it, was awesome. We had a one o'clock games where the Browns had an exhilarating end of the game score to uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones. We had Todd Gurley accidentally scoring a touchdown, and there was just so much shenanigans. Obviously, that Lions game was, was ridiculous. That was like the epitome of the Falcons. Yeah, they were up. They were up by like what? They were up by how much? They they grew the lead and then they blew it because the Lions scored on the thirty second last minute game. Matt Ryan was mic'd up and he said, "Don't score." No one scored. Like just get there and take a knee, and he just fell into the end zone. And Matt Ryan was like, "Oh my god!" The day before that, Indiana (laughs) did that. You guys, yeah, mixing, you guys are mixing up weeks. You're mixing up weeks. Week seven was when that happened. Week yeah, 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 I know. We, no, we're, we're talking about both. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah so I didn't, just think, didn't cover. Sorry, sorry, Ethan. I just think every week uh, the Falcons find a new way to lose games. Um, if like if that was the goal, they'd be the best team in the league. But um, unfortunately, you have to win games. So I think. Uh, no one does that better than the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're still the only undefeated team. Um, going against a pretty awful team. They should extend that win streak against the Cowboys. Um, but, yeah, I, I've been incredibly impressed. Pittsburgh had a great game against the Ravens. Um, they, they, I, I think they were outplayed, but their defense always just comes in and, and, and finds a way to finish off those games for them. And I think something that's really important is when we think about the Ravens, we always think of them as such a powerhouse team which they are, but it seems like they can never beat those teams like the Seahawks, the Chiefs, the Titans. And now the Steelers are in that category where I think the Ravens just don't have the passing offense to come back from behind, and that's why I'm selling them for later in the season, and I'm just not buying them. That's why I think the Steelers are really the team to beat in the AFC. Yeah, I agree with you, Will. That's a good take. That is a good take, but but you're right. The Ravens can't be good teams, and, and that's like the one thing that they, they, they need to overcome to be the, the team that – I mean, we've seen them play some incredible games, but you're right. They, they can – whenever they play good opponents, they really just can't pull it out. Yeah, yeah. and to that, to that point, um, I think people sort of – at least for me personally, I realized this year, like, Lamar is not really all that. Like he was, he's a very, very good running quarterback, but passing wise, especially against the better teams, he's not really performing as uh, as well as he could, I guess, or as well as he should. He needs um, confidence. He needs more confidence back. I feel like last year, and sorry to interrupt you, last year I feel like that Lamar 
and he was in such a groove and just the MVP swagger, you get a lot more confidence that way. And like, you can really roll with it into each game, not really second guess throws, not really second guess decisions. And you're just much more fast and smart. And once you kind of start to be like, see that like, oh, it's not always going to be like this. I'm going to make some mistakes. He's still a young quarterback. He's what his third season, correct? Third yeah. season. So yeah. he's he still is he's growing as a player and he's going to take some time for him to get into full stride again. You know, everyone can have a really good one season, but once like you face some adversity, um, you really see like what truly you are. And I'm not saying Lamar's a bad quarterback in any means, but I'm saying that he's faced some adversity this year and he's got to bounce back from that. Yeah, he but- does. At the same time, I think we should understand that this guy won MVP last year. We can't have low expectations. He is underperforming. And I don't know. I, I, feel, I thought the Ravens were going to be the powerhouse that they were last year, but it's looking like that went to be the Seahawks. The Seahawks this year are like as good as the Ravens last year. And I think speaking of Lamar MVP, I think Russ just like solidified his spot in top three MVP conversations with that four touchdown 37 to 27 win against the, the Niners in week eight. I yeah, think so, he's top three the whole the whole season. Sorry, go on. Go on, Wolf. I was just going to uh, say, I think he's been top three whole season. Yeah. Russell Wilson, I actually saw this today, has minus 180 odds to win the MVP. I just want to go back to the Ravens real quick. I think they didn't have much film on Lamar Jackson and teams are starting to game plan. And it doesn't seem like there's that many weapons for um, Lamar Jackson other than Hollywood Brown, like on the perimeter. What about Mark Andrews? Yeah, that's true. I also think to start off with, he was never that, that good of a passing quarterback. But I think to your point, Wilf, he was, it was hard to scheme against him, but now teams are able to. And he, um, and he so might he not did. be going out as much, too, because he's got to take care of his body. He gets hit pretty hard a lot. Yeah. Um, okay, another game I wanted to bring up was the Cowboys game. I know we talk about this division a lot, and it's just kind of surprising to me. It feels like McCarthy has been on the chopping block for multiple weeks now, and nothing's been done. And I know the Cowboys don't have Dak or Andy Dalton, um, they're rocking with Ben DiNucci, but, you know, at some point, I think uh, decisions have to be made and McCarthy has to be. Listen, I, I, I so I, I don't disagree with you. I think Mike McCarthy is definitely underperformed. Um, I mean, Cowboys have always been a good team. We were just looking for, they were just looking for that coach to to make the, the big wins that we were just talking about. Um, but I, I don't think it's fair to like say that McCarthy's job is on the line at this point. Like we have to remember that like this year's off season was unlike any other. And for a new coach to, to get to a destination and try to like just establish their system. I think that was a really difficult thing to do just with a shortened off season and all of that. So like, I don't think we should judge McCarthy just yet. I think we need, obviously it's a bummer that Dak went down. Um, there's tons of guys that they paid a lot of money over the offseason on the defensive side that still haven't uh, been able to get on the fields. But it's I'm not ready to make that that call on McCarthy yet. I, I think we still need to see what he can do with the full team. I agree, especially with Dak's injury and COVID. Like those are just two two things you can't anticipate. And there's been a lot of challenges. And he's had a history of success. You can't let this one two and six season define his career. He did have Aaron Rodgers, but also if you're the organization, you look at 
Dak is like that caliber of player. So how are you going to expect them to win like that without him? So there has to be some lenience, and I think they're going to have to see what he can do before they fire him. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think the biggest upset of the of the week had to be Bengals Titans. What did you guys think of that one? That was crazy. That was yeah. I, the Titans are on a two game slide now. That's that's like they were undefeated and now they've lost two in a row. So. But you know who's won three in a row? Hmm? You know who's won three games? Dolphins. I, I think you're talking about the Dolphins, but I think this week Dolphins playing the Cardinals. There's just too – that's too much firepower. But, but talking about the Finns, um, they are printing money for their backers right now. They are 6-1 and one against the spread, which is really impressive. I mean, everyone says it. Good teams win, but great teams cover. The Miami Dolphins, there for a great team. You see their defense, Wolf? You sure that firepower is going to take out that defense? You think the Rams aren't a lot of firepower? So, uh, sorry to just jump around. Like, we're talking about hometown, town, town, hometown teams. I want to talk about Theo's team, the Giants. Uh, Monday night game against the Bucks. They had a – they called a pass interference. They reversed it. I just want to know, like, what you guys thought about that game. The refs gave the Buccaneers that game. But, you know, at the same time, they're the better team. Upon so. further review, though, I'm not very sure. Like, I thought when I saw the first review, I was like, wow, they really screwed him. Like, this Brady BS, whatever. But I don't know. You know, like, it, was, it wasn't like he actually – he was not looking at, at uh, John John Lewis. Lewis. So, I don't know how, like, much you can really say that he was, like, preemptive, that he hit him, like, like consciously. I think he was going for the ball, and that's an illegal play. Like, if, people, if both people are looking for the ball, but then, against, then he at the same time, he, um, Deion Lewis had an established ground. So, you know, tough call. I, I don't really know, like, what to say. The fact that they overturned it was pretty shocking. The way, like, I was shocked. That's the, that's the only thing that really threw me off. Like, had it been not called and just stayed not called, that's okay. That's one thing. But for them to call it and then have enough evidence to overturn that, the evidence aspect wasn't really there, I, I didn't think. So, tough think loss. Right. Yeah, tough loss. You know, speaking of tough losses, Buccaneers have Tom Brady. That's why. Well, yeah, I thought that that's probably true. <laughs> yeah, but but I want to transition to another tough loss. We saw the Chargers do what the Chargers do, blowing leads. They entered the fourth with a twenty-four to seven lead over the Broncos, and they lost thirty-one to thirty with the Broncos scoring three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and the and the Chargers putting up six points. Drew Locke. Played well, three touchdowns, 250 yards. Philip Lindsay looked like he did last year. Um, so great game for the Broncos, but the Chargers just cannot seem to win games. I, I don't know what it is because they look good. Herbert flashes like really, really uh, like a talented quarterback, but then they just they can't close. And I, yeah. I think the most important part of the game was at the end when the Broncos were, were literally started on their own 20-yard line with very little time and just marched to the one and scored at the last second. And I think Justin Herbert and Anthony Lynn, they're going to get the blame as they should, but their defense just can't finish. And I, I think that's the key thing. Yeah. Um, and if we want to look quickly into week nine, I just think there's a few games. Maybe we'll pull like two or three games to talk about. Real I quick. think the Bears Titans game is a very interesting game. Khalil Mack, Derrick Henry going head to head. Two um, tanks. 
Yeah, exactly. Two absolute tanks. Uh, so that's going to be really entertaining. And I, I don't know, like, I think Lions-Vikings is going to be a fun game to watch, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be like it's... Matt Stafford just went on the COVID-19 uh, list. He says he's going to play. Oh, okay. A release just came out, I think. Or good. said that he's still negative or something. Okay. I mean, I think Bill, Bill Seahawks, I think, is the game of the week. No, um, yeah. In Buffalo. Game of the, yeah, game of the week. Game of the week is Sunday night. Bucks Saints. Yeah. That's oh fun. yeah. That's the game of the week. Um, I, I'm just really interested to see. I think like since since those teams last played, the Bucks have really clicked. Um, outside of last week, obviously, it was a really tough game for them. But um, I, I think that the Buccaneers are a lot better than the Saints, and I think we'll see that reflected in the, in the uh, outcome of that game. I don't know. I, I, I... It's a tough call. Honestly. I don't know if they're yeah. I don't know if they're a lot better. I would say they are better, but I think the Saints can put up a good fight. And I don't know. Does anyone know what the spread for that game is? Because it's at minus four and a half for the Bucks right now. The only reason I say that I say that they're a lot better is because the Bucks have the best rush defense in the league, and I just don't think Breeze they're underrated. What's that? No, I would not have thought they have the best rush defense in the league. Yeah. Well, I mean. The Giants ran all over them, so you wouldn't really expect it. But before yeah. that week, they were they supposedly did have the best rush defense. So. Yeah. Well, all right, boys. Boiler room. Let's hear it. We need some hot takes, and then we are transitioning to a really exciting part of the episode. So stay tuned. But first, let's get out these hot takes. Gentlemen. All right. I'll, I'll go first. Oh, we spoke about both these teams a little earlier in the episode. Um, we got the Cowboys as plus 14 underdogs against the undefeated Steelers. Hot take of the week. We're going with the Cowboys. I think this is a just this is just an upset spot. Listen, everyone's very high on the Steelers. The public will be all over minus 14. Know that. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Cowboys plus the points, and we're gonna sprinkle on the money line because I, th- I think that the Cowboys, um, I think they'll be able to pull some pull off a miracle this weekend. They need a win. So that that's a very, very, very hot take. But I like the energy. Uh, mine's not quite as hot. I, I just think that the Colts are going to beat the Ravens, and they're going to beat them by more than 10 points. That's funny. That was exactly my hot take. And the spread on that one is plus two and a half for the Colts. So it's not an extremely hot take. Yeah. But, uh, I do agree with you on that. Yeah. So I think mine the Colts is are gonna take them easy. Mine's between the Seahawks and the Bills. Um, and I think DK Met- Metcalf has 150 plus receiving yards. Dude, that is major hot take. Major hot take. <laughs> All right. Well, for my hot take, I will be um exploring into the college football world, and I will be taking Vanderbilt to not only cover the spread, which I think is a lock, but I think they will also beat Mississippi State. And, um, you know, Mississippi State does not have a very – I mean, they have K.J. Costello, who played pretty well in his first game. Since then, though, he's not been that great. He has – he has um, what's his passer rating? It's not even that good. He has more interceptions and touchdowns. Um, their running back has not been getting that much on the ground. Our Vanderbilt running back, Marlowe, has been playing better than him. And the receiver, Mitchell, has been playing pretty well. But I see that our defense – can kind of put a stop to this lackluster offense. 
and allowed for some um, room for Ken Seals to get some stuff going on the offensive side of the ball. Probably going to be a low-scoring game. Definitely take the under there. And, uh, yeah, that's what I'd say. Yeah, Joe, just like I want to talk briefly about that. I think it's a pretty interesting coaching matchup because um, we have Derek Mason, who is just a very defensive-minded coach against uh, – oh, shoot. Who's Mississippi – they just got um, from Washington State. Oh, man, what is his name? But he, he is um, – Mike Leach. Mike, Mike Leach. Uh, right. So he's known for the air raid offense, and he's had some just really um, proficient um, just offenses in the past. So I think just a defensive-minded coach for someone who is you know is going to air out the ball, I think that'll be interesting. And, and I agree with you, Joe. Hopefully the boys can get to Costello and throw him off a bit. Hope so. Hope so. It's, it's happening. It's happening. Well, speaking of coaches and speaking of Derek Mason specifically – the exciting aspect of this episode is that the boys, minus me, I had a corona scare, so I wasn't able to uh, make it to this one, but the boys got to interview Derek Mason. They had a really, really interesting conversation. You guys are going to want to hear it, and we'll start to play that right now. Guys, I'm Andrew from New Jersey. I'm Jacob Harris from South Florida. Hey, Jacob. I'm Theo Hodges. I'm also from New Jersey. Okay, and what's that? Um, I'm, I'm Joe Angelo from South Florida. We really appreciate you having on this call, Coach. We really appreciate it. Hey, man. No problem. Uh, yeah, so Theo's going to start off with the first question. Yeah, so um, as you know, we're just a group of five guys that are just started a kind of informal podcast. But uh, we're just looking to take off a bit more, and we thought it would be great to have you on the show. Um, so we're just going to start off with a few like simple, like basic Nashville questions, and then we'll get more into the football. Okay. Um, so just the first question we have for you is, what's your favorite place to eat in Nashville? Favorite place to eat? Um, you know what? I got a, f- a couple of favorite spots. Uh, the, 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 the one that I probably uh, frequent the most is a place called uh, Taqueria del Sol. Uh, I'm from the Southwest. And, you know, I mean, getting, getting you know, my Southwest cuisine, uh, you know, like for me, is, is a is a luxury, <laughs> um, but um, the owner Tony, uh, I met maybe six years ago uh, when when uh, when Taco Rio del Sol first opened in uh, 12 South, and you know we, we struck up a friendship and really got to know uh, uh, Tony and his staff uh, pretty well. Um, it's on my way home, and uh, you know, it's a place that I frequent a lot. It has more to do with the ambiance. The food is really good, but it has a lot to do with the people. And I think that's what, that's what makes Nashville such a, such a, uh, been a great place, a great, uh, town is that it's a, it's a town of neighborhoods and every neighborhood has, you know, like different spots, but my favorite spot, uh, you know, just, just for quick stop in and, uh, you know, enjoy the ambiance is, is, is really talking, talking real though. So, um, Probably the, the the second spot uh, I don't get to as much, but it's over in that same area. And again, it, it's all about you know uh, being close to where I live. Uh, but second spot is like Urban Grub. Um, We've heard about that place. I heard it's awesome. Yeah, man, it's an awesome you know steakhouse. Uh, you know, owned by uh, owned by some Vanderbilt alums. And uh, again, just you know fostering fostering a relationship over time. Um, you know, to me, it's close to home, but um, I, I, I frequent so many 
uh, you know, places around Nashville. And that's the thing about this city. This city is a city of neighborhoods and every neighborhood from Germantown to, um, you know, the Sylvan Park to, you know, West Nashville to, uh, you know, going up north uh, to being able to get around these pockets, uh, you know, in and around Vanderbilt. All of these places are, they, they, they have unique places where you can go eat and get, you know, uh, the great hospitality, great service. Um, that's what makes this place, you know, so special to me. But Taparia and Urban Grub are probably two of my favorite places that I've frequented since I've uh, become a Nashville resident. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm get, kind of getting hungry from hearing about all that. I got to try out those places. But um, so now moving more kind of into football, you know, I've I've been blessed with being around a lot of great coaches like throughout my high school, and and um and I really was wondering just from like a, such a well respected coach as yourself, what do you what do you think is like one of the most important qualities you see in like a a, a very good and like your your ideal football player? Like if you were to name some qualities about like a football player, like because I've heard some from my coaches in high school, and and um I just really want to hear from your opinion what really makes an ideal football player as a, as a person and the character that they they bring. Yeah, uh, you know, for me, as, as I look at a, uh, a a really good football player, um, and who wants to be great, or great football players that I've been around, um, it starts with the idea of loving the game. You know, I mean, most most of the players that you 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 see that uh, you know have an opportunity to make an impact are are, are players that do have talent, but. I think sometimes it's where you know talent, opportunity, and and, and work ethic really start to uh, you know combine to 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 really form what you know I call a lifestyle for the game. I think you have to have a lifestyle for the game. You gotta you gotta you gotta live it. You gotta love it. Um, and you gotta you gotta be not only uh, an engineer and architect of your craft, but you gotta be able to um, you know do it when nobody's watching. You know. Um, I think, you know, a lot of times um, you find players working to get better on, on, on a coach's time, and I think that's great. But it's really what you do, you know, I mean, away from the facility. Um, it's what you do, um, you know, on your own. You know, I mean, do you watch film? Do you take care of your body? Your body's really your job. I mean, um, do, do, you, do you understand the history of the game? Do you understand the, the, the players that have come before you and, and, and why – you know, like this game really means that much to you because I think there's a legacy piece in 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 every position in this game. And you know, there's been great players to play it, um, and and generally, you know, guys like to pattern their games after people that they've seen play. Right. And so, and, and so looking at how you know good players, uh, you know, they formulate and structure, you know, what they do and what they want to be, uh, you know, really dictate what they can become. And that's sort of, you know, like how I, how I've seen, you know, I mean, guys grow from, you know, where they were to where they wanted to be. Yeah. So we've obviously obviously seen you coach for a long time and seen you develop college players to become NFL players, and you were in the NFL for a bit with the Vikings, and you were back at Stanford before that. Just if you were to put it all in a nutshell, what has been your greatest accomplishment throughout your coaching career? You know, like my greatest accomplishment uh, throughout my coaching career has always been, uh, in in my own mind, just just the ability to bridge, you know, where where what guys come into, uh, you know, where they start at, and, and and really where they leave. 
you know, I, I think in this, uh, I, I got into coaching that because I, I, I truly love the game for everything that I thought it represented from, you know, having to work hard and, and sort of callous yourself a little bit uh, to, to, to really not worry about, you know, what other people are doing and really focus on, like, how can you be your best self? Because I think everybody brings a different skill set to the table. So as I've watched, uh, you know, my players, you know, men grow and watch players develop and, 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 and have had the opportunity to watch guys, you know, both at the uh, collegiate level and at the, the, the NFL level, you know, grow and be, go from going from being, you know, undrafted free agents to guys that, that, that have played in pro bowls, guys who were, who were, who were uh, you know, undrafted free agents to making, you know, 53 way. man rosters. Uh, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that to me has to do with, you know, how you serve them. Uh, I, I, think, I think this is a service business. I think, you know, I mean, as a coach, my job is to make sure that I can, you know, skill set, you know, an athlete, you know, with the tools and the abilities to be able to be effective in any situation. And I think the guys that gravitate towards understanding situational football and, and, and taking those pieces and making that stuff come alive because everybody has X's and O's. Everybody has a scheme. Everybody has, you know, this this set template. But players, good players make that stuff come alive. And I think, you know, I mean, I've been blessed to be around some really good players who have taken the skills, uh, the ability to compete every day, and and the opportunity opportunity to really challenge themselves to be better in that space and be relentless about, you know, uh, like grabbing those opportunities. Uh, that that's That's been great for me to watch. It's been great for me to be around. Um, I've, I've coached in championship games. I've been to bowl games. I've seen countless guys go on, but it's never been about the rings or any of that stuff. It's about the journey and making sure man, that you can fully skill set a guy so that when he looks back, he says he's got no regret. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. I I think that's really interesting. Um, and just as you talk about those different experiences, coaching collegiate football and in the NFL, I'm really curious as to, to how do those experiences differ and and how is your relationship with, uh, you know, your student athletes here at Vanderbilt or at Stanford? How did the how does that differ from the relationship you have with professionals in in the NFL? Yeah, I, I think you know, working working as, at, at the lower levels, uh, whether I was a high school coach or a college coach, when I went to the NFL, it really changed my life. Um, Brad Childress was my college coach. Brad Childress was a head coach when I got to the Minnesota Vikings, but the staff that he had put together, you know, when, when I could name the guys on that staff, like, you know, Mike Tomlin or uh, a Carl Dunbar or a Joe Woods, you know, Carl Dunbar is, 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 is now with the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you know, as a D-line coach, but him and Mike Tomlin were together, you know, in Minnesota. Joe Woods is now the defensive coordinator, uh, you know, with the Cleveland Browns. Um, you know, I, I, I can look at Daryl Bevel being the offensive coordinator and Daryl Bevel was my, my college teammate for two seasons, uh, like before he, he left and went to Wisconsin. Um, you know, being in those rooms with like Eric Bieniemy, who's now the offensive coordinator, uh, you know, for the Kansas City Chiefs. When you're around great coaches, uh, if, if you look back at that Minnesota staff, you know, with Fred Pugge and, and, and Jimmy Johnson and, 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 uh, Jimmy Huber, um, you, I, I can go back. You can look at all those coaches. That was the Brett Favre era for a bit. Yeah. I mean, th- those, those coaches 
have now gone on. I mean, that group, that that collective group that I was in Minnesota with, equipped me with so much, you know, understanding of how to coach like good players, how to reach really good players. Because in the NFL, okay, if if you can't reach a guy, okay, uh, he'll he'll move on from you, okay. And in college, you know, in college guys want the information, but in the NFL, you know, that's what they do for a living. And so being around those coaches and seeing how Eric Bannamy coached Adrian Peterson, seeing how, uh, you know, you know, uh, like Joe Woods would coach Antoine Winfield Sr., like how he coached, um, um, who else was back there in the backfield? I I can can remember, um, gosh, uh, Uh. yeah, we had had a couple of safeties. But um, one wound up going to... Mistral like, Raymond was there for a bit. What's that? Mistral Raymond, I remember, was there for a bit. Yeah, but, but he was there for a bit. But it, it, it was... Um, I can't remember his name. He, it, his name escapes me. But uh, um, Darren Sharper. You know, you, you I mean, Darren Sharper was with us for three years and then goes to the New Orleans Saints. And coaching Darren for three years, Darren coached me. Like, Darren taught me every day, okay, like, what he wanted. Okay, man, and what he needed. And then he goes to the New Orleans Saints, wins the Super Bowl. We play him in the NFC Championship game, Ooh. and we hug right after the game. I, I just think, you know, being around, like, those coaches in Minnesota equipped me to come back to college with a different mindset and a different skill set to help guys like Richard Sherman, Delano Howe, Johnson Batamosi, Mike Thomas. Um, I had six guys in, in, in my first secondary at Stanford that, all, that, that are all still playing in the NFL. And I, I think being around those coaches taught me how to touch every one of those guys in a different way. And, you, you know, being around guys like Vic Fangio. Vic Fangio was the defense coordinator when I got to Stanford. But it was being around Mike Bloomgren. Um, it was being around David Shaw. It was being around Jim Harbaugh. Um, you know, Greg Roman. Uh, when, when you're around really good coaches. It makes you better. It does. They challenge you every day. Okay, how how are you reaching this guy? Like, what are you doing? Okay, what what how how do you make his skill set better? How do you challenge him to, to to do it both on and off the field? And I think that's probably what I'm most proud of is that you know the, the, these guys over time, even the guys you know since I've been here, man, we've had 20 guys go to the NFL. Every one of those guys have had degrees, you know. So I, I'm 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 proud of of the track that I took, but the men that came before me that poured into me. Is, is really how I try to pour back into the players that I coach. And it's from the best player to the guy, man, man, man who may not have the strongest skill set, but you coach them all the same. You just know everybody's got a different level of talent. But you have to have the same standards and expectations for your team. And in doing so, what you're able to do is try to raise each person's level to compete. Yeah. Yeah. And so just like with you talking about coaching individual players – and like for me, I was a I was a high school athlete, and a lot of my coaches um, taught us about being a good man, and that was what they preached. And it wasn't all about sports. And so right. my question for you is just to what extent um, is coaching college athletics t- teaching young men about character? Yeah, I, I, I truly believe in a place like this, um, you know, much like it was at Stanford. I mean, you go to you go to places where. You know they're different than the other schools in your conference, um, and you 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 know when you step in the classroom, you got to compete 
compete against first-round draft picks in corporate America. You know, when you step into a classroom, a student, a student doesn't care about how many tackles you made. They don't care about how fast you run a 40. What they care about are you equipped skill-wise to be able to do the work because those are the people that you find yourself in in some of these, you know, specialty groups and or pods, you know, like doing group projects with. And I think that, you know, in that, I mean, you learn – you learn the idea. You can you can take uh, what you've learned in terms of competition and teamwork, okay, and apply those things and let people truly understand who who you really are. So I think it is about not not just wanting to be great in one area. So, you know, I talk about taking it from the class to the grass. Whether you're talking about it in the classroom or whether you talk about it on the football field, to me, it's got to be a lifestyle for you. You know, you talk about being a good man. Well, I've got two rules in my program. Two rules of this. Don't ever lie to me and do what's right. I'm not asking you to be perfect because football, much like life, is an imperfect game played by imperfect people chasing perfection. Right. And all I need you to do is be consistent. Show up. Do the work. Okay. Invest invest in what I'm asking you to invest in. And what you'll see is when you'll be able to collect a dividend when the time comes. Yeah. Yeah, wow. I mean, I really those are just those are just great. I I I'm just really like I'm really I just and a great, I really am honored to be with you right now. I feel great. Like this, this is the kind of stuff that I've heard from my coaches, and I just love to kind of hear similar things. And and uh, just we wanted to let you know we only have we have like three more questions left, and we wanted to kind of bring it back to Vanderbilt in general now. Um, so the one thing we wanted to bring in as little icebreakers, uh, what is your favorite part of Vanderbilt in general, and not necessarily Nashville, but just the school and and all the aspects that bring with it. I know we're very fortunate to go to this school, and we wanted to know what your favorite part of Vanderbilt is for you. Yeah, you know, man, Vanderbilt, you know, really um, enticed me with the idea of what it is. I think, you know, in all areas of this place, and 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 you know, man, football is one of the last bastions left to to to, to really conquer. But like the idea that that in this place, you 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 do have to be extremely relentless, tough, and intelligent about you know how you handle yourself. You know, everything that you do matters. You know, at, at, at this place, how you conduct yourself, what you do in the classroom, um, you know, it's a correlation to, to it, it has a correlation to what you're going to become. Uh, this place challenges you, uh, you know, unlike a lot of other places, um, you know, from the from the athletic side, it challenges, challenges you because it's the SEC, you know, guys, guys practice Monday through Friday to play on Saturday and get drafted on Sunday. That's what this conference is. And so the SEC uh Vanderbilt being in the SEC and being a flagship school means that 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 this place is set above you know like a lot of schools across the country then you 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 look at the 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 aspirations of excellence here you know it, this this place is relentless okay in in every area in terms of what it chases and i i, I think athletics has probably been you know like the last you know been peaks i know coach corbin has done it i know scott limbaugh has done it um, we've seen it in bowling, uh, football and basketball have, have had experiences, man, but this, this is the, the last place where I believe that the investment is going to pay a huge dividend, you know, once these facilities are up and running, because I think what, what this place, you know, offers is so different than every place else across the country, world-class institution, um, you, you, you look at the ability to compete in the SEC and be in one of the best cities in the country. And, and and Vanderbilt sits right in the middle of that, you know. Nashville, I mean, Nashville, 
you know, is around Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt is smack dab in the middle. And so for students, for student athletes, for anybody that wants to be great, when you step on this campus, you're going to be challenged. And that, and, and that in itself, to me, you know, brings out the competitor in me. It makes me want to compete. It makes me take on every challenge that I can to be the best I can be in this space because the people around me do it every day. Right. So obviously you're just talking about being the best person you can be. And a lot of people, we were talking to a bunch of Vanderbilt students, and they always talk very highly about you. And what they usually say is it's really awesome to see a black head coach at a school like Vanderbilt in the SEC. And I want to know what you and your program has done to promote social justice and educate your student athletes on current social issues. Well, I've talked about this before. I think when you you know look at the SEC, I, I, I'm I'm fortunate. James Franklin came before me. Uh, David Williams was the you know AD you know at the time who brought me here, and and, and Mr. Williams has now gone on. But um, you know what what he helped me understand was you know when you look at um, the makeup of the SEC, um, you know especially in football and and, and in basketball, the makeup. Um, you know, like of these rosters is anywhere from, you know, 65% to 75%, you know, African-American. And, you know, it's, it's important that these young people not only, you know, invest in their games, but learn, you know, like how to you utilize, you know, like their voice. You know, football has a great platform. Like for me, I'm a football coach, so football has a great platform, but with, with, with a great platform comes great responsibility. And so the bigger thing is, is, is to how, how can we, you know, serve our community? How can we, um, you know, bring bring about, um, you know, uh, uh, the idea that everybody matters in this space? And it, 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 it's, this space, yeah, I mean, does it show color? Absolutely. But really what it should showcase is, you know, excellence, uh, you know, in skill, uh, intelligence, art, um, the ability to communicate, um, and so these are the messages that I give my team every day. If you follow anything on social media, um, you know, like at all, you know, when I talk to my team, like after practice, those aren't, those aren't, um, um, these, these, these melodramatic, you know, sequences, you know, based on me just trying to, uh, um, just, just trying to deliver something for them. I mean, that's what I mean. What I talk about is the opportunity, man, to be great. Okay, invest, sacrifice, you know, commit to something, trust your training, you know, you know understand that the idea of being, you know, great is hard, you know, whether, whether it's Kobe Bryant, whether it's LeBron James, whether it's Brett Favre, I mean, Barry Bird, I really don't care who it is, you gotta, you gotta give up something to get something, and, you know, I, I, I want our athletes to know that uh, football is what you do, not who you are, so make sure, I mean, that people understand uh uh, who you are, they understand um, um, your idea of how you want to be treated, uh, and, and and really what they look at is the, the 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 total you, not just the parts of you that they want to see. Yeah, again, uh, Coach Mason, we just really want to thank you for your time, and it's been great getting to to speak with you. Um, just something we were talking about right before we hopped on the phone was how impressed we were with uh, Ken Seals' performance this past week, and. He started off very well, and he's just, I think it's been pretty cool just as our peer, a, a freshman student here, seeing him him grow um, on such a big spotlight. Um, so just in, in terms of that, uh, 
what are you guys doing to get ready, to get um, Ken Seals ready and, and the whole team to face Mississippi State this weekend? Well, you know, I mean, Ken Seals is a, is a different type of player. I mean, he, he, he's a football junkie, uh, extremely gifted student who, who, who doesn't worry about the things that don't matter. And I think that's a special quality that you want in a quarterback. You know, he, he's not he's, he's not worried about the fanfare uh, outside of this place. He's worried about trying to, you know, lead his team to victory. He's worried about doing his job. You know, he, he, he's singularly focused, uh, you know, in trying to um, uh, make everybody around him better. And, and, and that's how he prepares. But it's good having somebody like Kyle Shermer around him who had to play as a freshman who understood the rigors of what this place is, what it is to compete on Saturday, you know, how, how to some somebody that you can talk to who's not so far removed from where you're at. And Kyle's a uh, Super Bowl champion. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, he's, he's not so far removed from where you're at uh, to, to, to help uh, you through some of the pitfalls that, that guys can sort of fall into. You know, it, it, Ken had a great weekend. Um, he wanted to win. Um, he, he, he's capable of leading this team to places, man, man, that it hasn't been, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a while. But I think the thing that really makes him unique is that he's the first guy in the building and the last guy out. And, you know, that's what I remembered about Favre. That's what I remember about Andrew Luck. That's what I remember about Kyle Shermer. And I think that those – it's, it's unfair to compare him to, to, to any of those guys, but man, he's got the pedigree. He's got the willingness. Okay, he's got the lifestyle, and he, he's well on his way. Vanderbilt University is going to remember his name. He's going to break records here. That's awesome. Well, we just want to thank you so much for giving us the time, and good luck this weekend. Hey, fellas, thank you so much. I definitely appreciate talking to you guys. If you guys ever need anything, just give me a call. Take care. And hope you guys got out and voted, man, because let me tell you something. This thing is going to be crazy, but every vote counts, so take care of yourselves. Thanks so much, Coach. Thank you so much. Have a good one, sir. Take care. Anchor down. Anchor down.